Hello. I want to welcome you to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. We hope you'll be encouraged listening to God's teachings. Our services are held Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We share an awesome worship experience here at Renton Christian Center. Be sure to visit our website at rccfoursquare.org. Here's our message. It's Mother's Day. How many of you guys got up before your wife and at least brought her a cup of coffee? Raise your hand. If, if you're married to a mom, okay? I always like to test. Good, Alec, really? Right on, Alec, yeah. Good job. Yeah, I'm just, I, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, guys, but I'd like to inspire you to just raise the bar just a touch sometimes. It's a wonderful day to, uh, you know, just to kind of set moms apart. It's, it's a little arbitrary and kind of, you know, I... We have in America what I call hallmark holidays. You know, no savior was born, nobody was resurrected, basically. Somebody wanted to honor moms, but there's certainly no reason why we shouldn't at least once a year say, wow, there's nothing on earth like the role a mother plays in the lives of everybody she touches. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's like she's just given life all the time. Um, There was a six-year-old boy who uh, was told by his mom, uh, hey, honey, she just found out, you're going to have a baby brother or sister in a few months. He was thrilled. Six years old, he went to his first grade class, and he was so excited, he told his teacher, guess what, I'm going to have a baby brother or sister. And every day for weeks, he would just tell his teacher, guess what, I'm having a baby brother or sister, and he was so excited. And finally, as the uh, child developed, his mom said, honey, you want to come here and feel the baby? He didn't say a word, just his eyes got big. He put his, his hand on his mommy's tummy, felt him kicking and everything. He was impressed. He was a little nervous. His eyes got big. He didn't say a word. He went back to school the next day and the next day and a few weeks after that, and his teacher recognized, honey, you haven't said a word about your new baby brother or sister. How, how's it going? The kid burst into tears and said, I think mommy ate him. <laughs> That's a true story, I think. What I love about this concept, the art of imitation, is, um, is obviously, you know, in the, in the natural, in the physical, God gave women the power and ability and the gift of procreation. And, and when babies are born, uh, the DNA of both the, the father and the mother enters into that child and creates a brand new, unique individual, but similar to the mom and the dad, right? Not exactly like, but similar in the physical and the natural realm. And so if we understand the the way God kind of invented the universe and the way life works, it's a perfect metaphor for making disciples. We, We really are, we've been given the power to create a similar kind of person as us in every relationship that we have. Every person around you is influenced by who and what you are. And just like DNA comes through the most minute molecules of the human body into the next individual, so there's a spiritual DNA that you possess that actually gets transmitted to everybody you're around. And you don't have to be talking Bible when that happens. You could just behave yourself and something gets transmitted by your example 
And so I want to talk to you this morning about the call of Jesus to make disciples and to influence others and, and literally talk about the art of imitation because in essence, Jesus said as we imitate him, he's commanded us to help others imitate us as we imitate him. Okay, make sure you understand. I'm not saying don't have people imitate me in all my stupid stuff, all my bad habits or any of those things. I'm trying to reduce those to a minimum as I grow. But as far as the part that Jesus has helped me be an imitator of him, I want to make imitators of those other people to what I've learned. But we have to start with the realization that whether or not we intend it, we are reproducing ourselves and others. That's kind of encouraging and kind of frightening, wouldn't you say? Because literally, the, the way you behave on the road is like mm, transmitting revelation by example to other people who will then be influenced and it's human nature to ask the question, hmm, would I do that or should I be doing that too? We are, we are making disciples right now. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you're influencing people and, and producing an imitation of yourself everywhere you go. It's just the way humans are. We're kind of like sponges. We just absorb stuff, don't we? Not a word has to be spoken. We'll walk into a room and look around and go, how are they all dressed? What kind of music do they seem to like? What sort of jokes do they tell? Without even saying a word, we just watch and absorb. We're influenced greatly by people around us, and, and there's this kind of invisible pressure to want to imitate in order to be accepted. So we're, we're making disciples, whether we like it or not. The question is, what are we transmitting, right? That's why Jesus made it very clear that, that we've got a specific, narrow agenda. It is a narrow agenda, but it's the agenda that opens up to a whole universe of life, of hope, and of joy, right? But he said, it is a narrow agenda. And it's me. I'm the door. I'm the passageway through which you must pass in order to arrive at that full universe of life that God promised. So he said it this way. When Jesus came to them, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You may have heard this a thousand times, and maybe it kind of just goes over your head or through your head in one ear and out the other. But if you think about this last phrase, this is kind of cool. It's a fresh, fresh way to look at it. When Jesus said to Christians, behold, I'm with you always to the very end of this age as we know it. That means I possess Jesus, and the DNA, spiritually speaking, in him is in me, so I have the opportunity to transmit Jesus to other people in every word, in every action, in every thought, in every decision. So we actually can make, shape, formulate, influence people's lives to become like his. That's an absolutely wonderful and exciting and thrilling opportunity. And, and you and I need to be people who recognize, I don't know if you've lived long enough, but you try living every other direction, and it's just absolute dead end after dead end after dead end. It kind of has a thrill for a while, a little pleasure for a while, boom. Success for a while, then eventually, boom. I don't want to end my life going, wow, I wish I'd lived it differently. I want to live it like this. How about you? Yes. Yeah. So when we're talking about shaping lives in, other, or, yeah, lives in other people, we have to recognize Jesus is the one who's with us, and just being in the presence of others, let alone 
loving, caring, serving, speaking life and hope, encouragement, even correction at times, is how we're called to make disciples. Now some people have forgotten that if their vocation is not like pastor, missionary, you know, leader of a Bible study or something, that they're not really disciple makers, but you have to realize that, well, for instance, me, I'm, I'm a pastor, okay, so it's kind of like my job description, make disciples, shape other people into the image of Christ, and, and do everything you possibly can to make that happen. That's my job description, but can I be honest with you? I can't imagine not being a disciple maker even if I was still roofing full time. I mean, I would just be that kind of person because that's, that's just who God has designed me to be. And I think if you're a Christian, that's the way he's designed you too. It's just kind of a no gimme. He's, he's got a claim on our lives. The principal of Northwood is gonna come and speak. You probably heard Colleen Nelson's gonna be here. And some of you, how many of you go to Northwood right now? One, still, okay, a lot of you. <laughs> are not there yet, or you've graduated from there. You're probably at Kent Ridge or somewhere else. Anyway, that's why we're leaving in. Sorry, I forgot to mention that to you. Whether it's your vocation or not, you're called to make disciples. And one of the reasons I've invited Colleen to come this morning is because, um, well, she's a principal. Her vocation is to shape the lives of not only hundreds of students, but, I mean, scores of teachers. She's got a huge amount of influence. But one of the reasons I asked her to come is I, I said to her, I would really like it if you could just tell us why you do what you do because I see some of God's you know, gifting and calling and passion in your life that just shows up. Um, I've been working with Colleen and known her for probably five years or so now. And we have monthly meetings together and we do, of course, the outreaches and mentoring and those kind of things. But what I've seen in her is that even if she wasn't a principal, she'd still be that kind of person. There's energy, she's bubbly, she's a lifetime learner, she's always growing and stretching and just walking in humility and just saying, how can I be a better me? That's exactly what Jesus has called the rest of us to do. She has a completely different vocation, but very similar to mine. In fact, uh, we worked together on a World Vision project years ago and uh, we both kind of agreed, we're sort of part of this threefold, three-pronged attack on kids. We've got the educational, We've got the spiritual and we've got the family, all working for the same goal, to create whole people. So we really aren't working against, we're working with one another, amen? So in a couple minutes, I'm gonna invite her to come, but let me just give you a little bit of background. She's retiring this year. This is her last six weeks or so at uh, Northwood, and um, I'm not gonna say how long you've been in that world, but you can tell us if you want. And uh, I, I just wanted to say thanks to her and to the Lord for this relationship that, that he's built. And, uh, and just, I'm just so honored to have her come and share. Before you come, Colleen, I've got one more story for you. Um, it's another kind of a mom and a kid story. Mom went into the boy's room real early, knocked on the door, opened the door. Son, time to get up and go to school. Ah, I don't want to go to school. Now, come on, why don't you want to go to school? Well, first of all, the kids don't like me. <laughs> yeah, what's the second reason? Well, the teachers don't like me either. That's no good reason not to go to school. Now, come on, get up and get ready for school. You give me two good reasons why you don't want to go to school. No, no, the son said, Mom, you give me two good reasons why I should go to school. 
She goes, well, first of all, you're 52 years old. <laughs> Second of all, you're the principal. I get up and go to school. Oh, that was great. You've probably heard that one before. So let's welcome Principal Colleen Nelson, someone who loves the kids, and they love her as well. Come on up here, Colleen. Thank you, Alex. Well, I am honored to be here today, and what I can tell you is that I routinely speak to 657th and 8th graders, and you guys intimidate me way more than, the, <laughs> than all of them put together. So, Umberto, you got to help me out here, okay? Give me a smile once in a while, a couple thumbs up, you know. Turn and talk to somebody next to you or hit them or something just so I can feel at home, would you? Thank you. I normally do a lot of ad-libbing on the mic, but I did write my words down today as I told my husband, oh my Lord, I don't want to get up there and then just forget all the important things I want to say. The first thing I want to say is good morning and thank you, thank you for having me here today. I want to say that I am truly honored and humbled by the opportunity to stand before you today and to share a few words. And I think because today is Mother's Day and the connection between what I plan to talk to you about and today couldn't be more perfect. I grew up in a family with two older brothers and two younger sisters, and my mom and dad raised us to be kind to each other, kind to one another, and to do the right thing. In addition to raising a family, my mom dedicated her life to helping others. She led by example in every aspect of her life. My mom, by profession, was an occupational therapist and she worked with special needs students in the school. Many students suffered cerebral palsy and other physical disabilities, but she saw love and hope in every single child, and she transmitted that message back home to all five of us. She instilled values in each of us about the sanctity of life, about treating everyone with dignity and respect, her message was to help those in need, especially those less fortunate. My mom's words and actions left an indelible mark on my life. I have come to recognize that. For me, being an educator has been truly a calling for as long as I can remember. When I was in eighth grade, I told my parents that I wanted to be a teacher. I never considered any other occupation. I never looked back. So, when I graduated from college in Central Washington University, and I will say the date, in 1980, and began teaching that fall, I loved everything about teaching. And I knew it was the right place, the right profession for me. Teaching allowed me to make a difference in the lives of students. I loved the idea of being a part of such a noble profession and contributing to my community. I knew the power of education and the importance of it in providing opportunities for all students, regardless of their background. It also taught me about the depths of sadness and dysfunction in some students' lives. Despite the many barriers, I also knew I could make or break each day for a student with my words and actions. 
I knew the lessons of dignity and respect that I had learned from my mom as a child were the key to working with my students. In Renton School District, I worked at Renton Alternative High School, it's known by a different name now, for 12 years. And each year at the end of the year, we had about 40 students who would graduate. Each of us was assigned a group of students as an advisor. You worked with those students all year long. When we got to graduation, these very tough kids who were very streetwise, who had been through very difficult situations, and nobody was going to get them first before they got that person, stood before a group about this size in a graduation gown, cap and mortar, ready to go out into the world. And as we stood next to them as their advisors, I always took notes. I interviewed them and I took notes. I wanted to know what they were going to say. Because without fail, at each of those 12 graduations, my advisors would stand up there, tough as nails, and cry their eyes out as they thanked their mom, that's as far as they got, for all the help and support and love that they had provided them. They couldn't remember what they were going to do when they graduated. They couldn't remember who else they wanted to thank. All of that had gone out of their minds. So I stepped up next to them as their advisor and their partner, and I shared all that information. Graduation was my favorite day at Renton Alternative High School. It was the reason we could all come back the next year and do it all over again. After 14 years as a teacher in the Renton School District, working with high school students, I became an assistant principal at Kent Junior High, also a now a school with a different name. There's a little theme developing here that's a little troubling for me. <laughs> my principal in Renton saw something in me that I hadn't yet seen in myself. He thought I should become an administrator. I remember thinking, are you sure? Why would I want to do that? Well, as I complete the last 12 years of my 35-year career as an educator, I still believe it is a noble profession and have enjoyed all of my time. As far as middle school goes, I get asked often, why do you like those guys? Or, do you like those guys? <laughs> I often tell people that it either kills you or keeps you young. I choose to believe it's the latter. As you can imagine, I have often prayed in my role as a teacher, as an assistant principal, and as a principal, thinking about the tens of thousands of students that I have taught or been an administrator to over those years. I have smiled and I have cried. I know at Kent Junior High as principal, both assistant and principal, many students came to, which, came to us each day. They came because it was a warm and safe place. They came because we fed them breakfast and lunch. They came because there were caring adults every single day that said, hello, we care about you, you're important, you're valuable. Sometimes social studies and math and health and fitness weren't always the top priority, but every day those kids came, we knew we were making a difference in their lives. I have learned so much from the students that I have worked with. They have helped me become a better teacher, a better principal, and a better person. The teachers that I have had the privilege of working with have inspired and amazed me. When I talk with students, I remind them 
that teachers get up every day and come to work to invest in them. They give their all so that the students are prepared not only for the next grade level, but for life. I also remind teachers that parents work very hard every day to send their pride and joy, their first string. Being an educator is a powerful and important role. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are all, sorry, we are all that, whatever our title. You do not have to have a title to make a difference in the life of a child. It is and has been my passion for all 35 years. Helping shape and influence young minds and personalities comes with an incredible responsibility. It is all of our responsibility to do so with integrity, honesty, and grace. My mom's legacy was caring about and for others above yourself. It is a powerful gift that has guided my life and my work. My brothers and sisters would tell you that one of her favorite mantras was, Colleen, offer it up. Mark, offer it up. Kevin, offer it up. When we wanted to complain about something or someone or we were just feeling sorry for ourselves, she would tell us, just offer it up. To think about someone else, to offer up a sacrifice, we all knew what she meant. So thanks, Mom, for your extraordinary love. Your gift has touched so many more lives. Thank you, Pastor Alex. Congratulations on your new season of life as well. Ron, you get your wife back. <laughs> awesome. That is so exciting. What a thrill. Just offer it up. Does that sound like Jesus or what? Give our lives as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. What a thrill. And, and I, I love, Colleen, what you said. That's, and I've seen that's who you are ever since you were in eighth grade. You were just called. It's like God just wired you for this. And, and whether it's your vocation or not, we're all called to influence, especially the young lives. Around. Some of your students, you might have heard this, or maybe God's been kind of working in you and saying, you know what, you need to be in that field. Education is a noble calling. Administrative, teaching, counseling, any part of that world. Students, I'm telling you, some of you were wired for this. So take it seriously and get the education, talk to the right people, and, and go for it. It's going to be a powerful powerful way to give your life. Well, I want to wrap this morning with a, um, if I were to take the great commission that Jesus shared with his disciples, I, I, I would summarize it like this. As you go, help others imitate you as you learn to imitate me. The thing that a lot of people don't understand is this has always been the heart of God. It's not just a New Testament thing. It's not just a Jesus idea. He actually created Adam and Eve to do the exact same thing. He actually founded a brand new nation from scratch called Israel to do the exact same thing. And every generation since then, that's been the mandate from our creator to humanity. Shape the lives of the next generation. I want to, um, we'll go past that next one. And take you back to the Old Testament. This is a powerful thing, especially... If you're the par a parent of children living in the home now, but even if you're not, you've got kids around you or even peers around you. Listen to the way God spoke to Israel. It's like the Great Commission expanded. It's rich. 
Moses is speaking and he says, attention Israel, God, our God, God, the one and only. He says, love God, your God, with all your heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Then write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about that from the, them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. What I love about this version is it sounds a whole lot like the original Greek. When Jesus was saying, go and make disciples of all nations, that just, just sounds kind of big and religious. What the Greek actually says is, as you go, shape others around you. And it's kind of what, what Moses was saying to, to Israel. When you get up, when you go to bed, when you're going in, when you're going out. Wherever you go, just be the kind of person who understands the impact you have on every life around you. Every word, every action, every refusal to act when things are not going the right direction. Everything. As you go, make disciples. You don't need a vocation. You don't need an assignment from your pastor. It's like you're influencing people right now. If you're falling asleep right now, the people around you noticed. If you're taking notes right now, the people around you are noticing. You're influencing people all around you. And so we have to understand, it's not a matter of whether or not we will make disciples, it's what kind of disciples will we make. In a way, we're all moms. We just are. In a spiritual sense, we have that much influence. And I think it's an absolute privilege and a thrill to be able to say, and now that I have grandkids, I'm seeing it in living color, the, the DNA physical side and the behavioral side, I'm seeing grandchildren copying me. Uh, Penelope has a, a puzzle that had become her favorite. It's a Toys R Us, kind of one of those wooden hardback puzzles where you insert the pieces like that. And there's about eight pieces in it. You know, it's Jeffrey Giraffe and Baby Jeffrey and some balloons and grass and Anyway, this is very cute. And, and I remember when I first taught her how to do puzzles, I think it was the first puzzle she ever did, something that our girls grew up on. I found it in the toy box. I pulled out uh, Jeffrey Giraffe's head with ears on it, and, and I just wanted to demonstrate for her how you do puzzles. And, and, and I didn't say it in words. She was only two. It might have been less than two. So I just decided, I'll just show her. And so I remember I pulled out Jeffrey Giraffe's head, and I just pointed to the ear, because it's kind of pointy like that. And then I pointed to the puzzle, because it's also pointy like that. And so I, I said, and set it in there. A month went by. We hadn't done the puzzle for a month. She said, puzzle, ba-ba, puzzle. Pulled it out, threw it on the floor. She looks for Jeffrey Giraffe's head, and she goes, It's stuck. And I'm telling you, that's the way we're wired. That's how we are as people, right? So what a thrill and what a responsibility to understand what we can do for the benefit of others, especially for the benefit in a large, boy, you have a lifetime of what, 10,000 students? Holy cow, that's kind of, people say, how big's your church? And I go, oh, about 50,000, you know. <laughs> Over 30 years, yeah, that's kind of about what it's been, yeah. They're just not all there at the same time. <laughs> But that's how much influence we have. So can we just enjoy our moms today, our wives today, our grandmas today, and, uh, and just really have a wonderful family time. But would you just cry out to God to make you the kind of person who will be first an imitator of Jesus, 
Get to know him better so you can get better at imitating, but then understand the power you have to make imitators of you as you imitate him, all in the same motion. God's wish for all of us this Mother's Day. Shape Jesus in others as I have shaped myself in you. Amen. Can we stand together and let's, let's offer ourselves to the Lord in this way and pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are the kind of God who, man, you're holy, you're perfect, you're untouchable by fallen humanity, and yet you've left that throne of perfection and come down to relate to us and draw us in. So Lord, draw us into yourself right now, today, at this moment, and help us to receive your love, your grace, your mercy, your kindness. But at the same time, Father, would you filter out the parts of us that are just not great, not really worth imitating in anybody's life, Lord. You call it sin. We might call it a mistake. We might call it a bad habit. It's all bad. It doesn't really matter what you call it. But you said that you would help us, Father, by dealing with our brokenness and our sin with the cross. So, Father, we just want to bring all of our brokenness, our sin, our bad habits to you and say, Lord, take it. We're done. Forgive us, Father. Help us to imitate your Son, to live with the kind of kindness and selflessness we heard about this morning. And empower us, Lord God, to be super influential Christward in every person we have a relationship with. In Jesus' mighty name. And church said? Amen. Amen. Well, that was a treat. Colleen, thanks so much. Family, thanks for coming along, Ron. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Mother's Day, and we'll see you next Sunday. Listening to God's teachings is always so exciting. We hope you have enjoyed this recording and that it has blessed you. Remember to share these messages with others you know and love. Until next time, may God bless and keep you. Here again is Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.